The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. And sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber. This is Arun Sudharman from The Homes Report. Uh, and we're very lucky today to be joined by Omnicom PR Group CEO, Karen Van Bergen. Karen, hello. Hey, Arun. Great to be here with you. It's good to have you on the podcast. I think this is the first time. It is the first time. I didn't know why you didn't ask me before. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're busy. <laughs> Certainly not through, through any, any want of trying. I think probably just because um, this is the first time I've, I've been to New York and been able to carve out this sure. this much time with you. Um, it's a good week to do this podcast, of course. We've had um, the results come out from the 2017 uh, calendar year and, of course, for the fourth quarter yep. of the year. Omnicom's uh, results announcement was yesterday. Yes. Um, we saw marginal slight growth from uh, the PR firms in 2017 and in the fourth quarter. Um, how would you characterize last year? It seems to have been quite difficult uh, for many firms. It was, I, I think we all agree, it was a difficult year for PR. It was one of the tougher ones that I have experienced. Um, and I think all the holding companies have had, um, you know, it's, uh, had to put their best foot forward. Um, in those circum under those circumstances, uh, I'm I'm good with the the slight percentage growth. You always mm -hmm. want to see more, of course. But under the circumstances, I think uh, our agencies have done a marvelous job to mm. to toe the line and uh, and um, do exciting work and and be rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it was difficult? As I see it, our industry um, is, ch there's a couple of factors, but if I look at our industry, our industry is changing a lot. Um, there is a lot more technology influence. There is changes in the way clients look at our offerings, the different needs from clients. Um, we, uh, there's a difference in, in the, the remuneration system away from uh, more retainers, structural retainers to more project-based work. There's a big need for integrated approach. So that's all on the industry side. But also, you know, a lot of the, the, the companies that we work for have had tough years, either be it through shareholder activism or, mm. or other. So I think it's a combination of things. I think also in some economies, there's been some political turmoil and waiting to see how things would play out here in the US and in, in the UK, for example. Um, and I think all of that together has made for, particularly for global firms, made it a tougher year. Yeah, indeed. In fact, I, I suspect it was the toughest year um, for the PR industry since the uh, the financial yes. crisis. Yeah, I would agree to that. Um, which is a, something of a surprise, of course. And yet, when I talk to people this week in New York, uh, and indeed before this week as well around the world, it seems like the gloom has lifted in 2018. I do. F I'm always cautiously sure. positive, but I am cautiously optimistic um, about this year. I think... Uh, we have seen first signs of, of more confidence in the on the company side, the clients that we work for. We um, we feel that within our group, we've really um, invested in the right talent and in the right technologies last year to offer clients what they really need, be it on influencer, be it on reputation management. 
um, be it on prices, which still is there, um, and and particularly in a data-driven approach, uh, which makes it more efficient, effective, and also more measurable. So mm -hmm. I think we are in a really good position. And on top of that, it is an election year. It's not mm -hmm. a presidential election year, but it is an election year, which is always good for our firms. Mm. Do, you, do you feel that, that clients... In the US, I should say, in the US, of course. Of course. Yes. Do you feel that clients are just less conservative than, than they were last year? It's hard to say that for sure because, you know, we just started, but um, it's hard to imagine that they're going to stay as conservative as they were <laughs> last year. So I'm, I'm optimistic that it'll, it'll be a little bit better. But, you know, it's up to us to really be those trusted advisors to the clients that, that are able to build those long-term relationships and continue, um, continue to grow together. So, you know, it's not only on the clients, it's on us as well. Sure. So it's been um, two years. Is that it's right? Two years, March on? 1, it's going to be two years. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, and of course, the time has flown by, as, <laughs> as, as, yes. as it always does. Um, how would you say you have changed the way that um, perhaps Omnicom's PR firms go to market as a collective entity mm -hmm. um, during that period? Yeah, I think we have seen, and I think one of the most positive surprises for me was that there is such a will to collaborate within the agencies. You know, traditionally you, there was, there's always been, you know, a lot of competition between all the the, the agencies. But um, the will to collaborate when it's in the client's interest and when you can do great things together has been really, really mind blowing. So we've been able to do some fantastic collaboration, um, and that's ever growing. And mm -hmm. I. I personally love that. I love doing the involvement with clients and building those customized teams for, for clients um, and then keeping close to, to see how it's going. Uh, that's, been, that's been one of the top priorities. It was also one of the reasons why Omnicom Public Relations Group was formed. Um, and um, and the other thing is that you know the talent mobility, the uh, the ability to to look at real talent and give them more opportunities outside one agency. And for many of the talent, it's not really relevant. But you know sometimes you you are able to keep a really really good person and give them a great opportunity, and that opportunity turns out to be a fantastic play for the agency as well. Mm, okay. So we've done that, and then of course you know we. We, uh, we, we didn't do a lot on the acquisition front, but we did Raven Martin, which has been mm -hmm. working out really, really well. And I, I like being um, cautious. I like looking out for a lot of opportunities, but then you know when you find the right strategic and cultural fit, it's, it's awesome. And then on the innovation side, which is our fourth growth uh, strategy, uh, you know we did launch Spry. I leave it always to Spry to give the details because it's really treated as a startup. Mm. But that's a great example of a technology innovation. So I think we've done a lot, um, mm. and we going forward, we're going to build on those four strategies. There's nothing that's going to change fundamentally. Okay, sure. We'll talk about Spry a little bit later on. Um, it's interesting, you, you started with collaboration, and I'm not suggesting that any of, any of your firms might not be collaborative, but I'm curious to know, it, were you, uh, um, perhaps when you are confronted with um, a, a firm or a CEO who's perhaps less collaborative than you'd like, um, what, what, what is your message to, to that person, to that business? How do you um, get them to become more collaborative. Yeah, I have, a, I have a very famous saying, which comes from the time that I ran One Voice for Philips, and it is, would you rather have 100% of nothing or 50% of a whole lot? Mm -hmm. And it is, it is very, if it's pretty clear 
you know, and we, we will always talk about it. It's, you know, we, we do this collaboratively, but when there is an opportunity coming in either with an existing or a new client, we'll look at it. But when we know that we are pretty sure that one agency cannot give the client what, what the client needs, then we talk about it and we will, and you know, if somebody doesn't want to play in the end, that will, that will come through in the results because it is the world of collaboration. And we've seen that the agencies that are the best collaborators have profited the most. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you mentioned four areas. Do you see um, anything in particular coming to the forefront uh, in 2018? For example, will you be prioritizing one of those um, no, over the others? No, no. I think we, we are very, I would almost say minimalistic and focused on those four. Uh, we can't do one over the other. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, talent, if I had to make a choice, it, it'll always be about talent. And you heard John Rand say that on the call as well. Mm. Um, you know, we will always invest in talent uh, mm. because that is, you know, talent is what our clients buy is a terrible word, but work with, and they want to see great people that they consider their trusted advisors. And mm. so that's what we will always do. But we also need to continue to grow the collabora collaboration. We need to be on the lookout for acquisitions and we need to continue to focus on innovation because it's if particularly on, on, you know, the role that technology is playing in our industry is going to play. If we don't, if we don't embrace it, then somebody else is going to do it. Mm. And in terms of acquisitions, as you said, I think there's been one, right? Rabin yes. Martin. Um, is there a specific reason why there, have, there haven't been more? Is it down to perhaps, um, you know, targets that you have for the kind of profitability of agencies that you'd like to acquire? Um, is it a slower process because there aren't that many um, good firms that, that meet your criteria out there? It, it is, I think on our side, it is a very deliberate process. Um, mm. We always say that obviously there needs to be strategic fit. I mean, it needs to fill a gap, a competency gap or a regional gap, uh, um, that those are basically the two reasons why we look at acquisitions. And then the biggest thing is it needs to be a cultural fit mm -hmm. because it, if those two um, conditions are met, any, and of course there needs to be financial health, mm -hmm. but. It, it, we, there's a lot that you can do if those first two conditions are met. So, mm. but but I think we should never underestimate the cultural importance because yeah. we've we've seen around us and, and 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 there's been experiences as well when you don't have the cultural fit. It is you basically buy an empty box, and mm. that that is something we don't do in Omnicom. We really really value the entrepreneurs who have grown their agencies. We want to stick with them. Or we want them to stick with us. Um, and help us grow the business together. So yeah, I think, I guess we're pretty critical and, and, and careful, but mm -hmm. then when it works, it works out really, really well. So mm -hmm. that's definitely what we're going to continue. Are there any specific competencies or specific geographic markets um, where you're looking to grow via acquisition? I think, you know, on the competency side, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that until we are a little closer. Um, but you know, for sure, uh, it's it's pretty clear that you know China is a really really important area for us. We have a great operation, but we we'd love to. I personally love to strengthen China. Mm. Yeah. Is there a, a particular obstacle uh, in that market? Because it's not as if anyone is making many acquisitions in China it, at I, the moment. I think it's actually. I'm, again, I'm carefully hopeful that it's changed. There's been a time mm -hmm. that it was very hard because a lot of the Chinese firms uh, were focused on going IPO or being bought by a Chinese uh, uh, company. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I do feel a shift there. Mm. I can't sort of like put some like numbers behind it, but I do feel a shift. And um, I think, you know, China is such an important market. We always have to be focused on China. Mm. And I, I'm optimistic that uh, that something will work out. Mm. I, thi I think you're right. I, th I have also sensed something of a shift away from uh, this kind of goal of listing um, in particular, which seemed quite popular a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. And now there is there's certainly seems to be more appetite to sell to a foreign yeah to well a foreign company. Yeah, good to hear from you as well. But yeah, so you know we'll I'll keep you posted. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you talked about talent, of course. Now, from your perspective, how do you see, and particularly over the last couple of years, how have you seen the talent equation change um, in PR? I mean, do you, you know, is it is it as simple as generalist to specialist, traditional to digital, um, or are there other trends that you'd like your CEOs to be cognizant of? I think there is a there's there's a lot of change. Um, we still need people who are really good communication specialists. I think the the need um, for uh, specialization within the communications discipline is gro has grown bigger. Mm -hmm. um, the the need for people, particularly the, the the more advanced in the career they are, to be and I use this all the time, but it is I call this trusted business advisor mm. rather than a project, a brand project manager, is really, really crucial. Um, understanding the client's business, understanding their, their numbers, understanding their challenges, uh, will give you so much more um, uh, 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 ground to, to, to build a really strong f relationship now and in the future. So that is a, it's a different skill set sometimes. Um, and you mm -hmm. need people who are, uh, I, I always, particularly at junior level, you know, you have to hire more for for uh, for for character than for aptitude. You know, you mm. if you if you need people who are curious, who are great relationship builders, who would love to understand business, and who are service minded. I think those are at a junior level the key the key things. Going further, yeah, specialization has become more important. If you're not digital, ingrained digital, particularly at an entry level, you're going to have a hard time. But that's not, I don't see any young people who are not digital native. So mm. that's that's not really an issue. It's probably more for the people at my level to <laughs> understand. Um, yeah, so I think there, are, there, has, there have been changes. And I always encourage uh, uh, the agencies to look further than the traditional recruiting basis, look for different um, college graduates, uh, different, uh, different, different professional skills um, um, to and you know to create also the other thing that is obviously incredibly important is to not only to create diversity, gender diversity, race diversity, but mm -hmm. also diversity of thinking. And I think you get that if you have a different mix of of mm. um, of, um, of people f f uh, going into the agency. Mm. Do you think it's happening enough? Do you see? Um, that kind of diversity of talent coming into the industry fast enough? If we talk about diversity um, of thinking, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. If we talk about diversity, the other diversity, race, gender, no. Mm. I think we're still in agreement, in violent agreement, that we're not going fast mm -hmm. enough. And it is a big focus, but it's a it's 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 a hard nut to crack mm -hmm. long yeah. term. Sure. I mean, we we have focused a lot of our time uh, on covering this particular challenge in terms of diversity and inclusion, whether that's gender um, or racial or, or, or in terms of other minority groups. Um, you, of course, now, you, you know, you're, you're a high-profile female CEO. You, you, you oversee the largest 
collectively, PR operation. Um, you've made uh, Barry Rafferty the yeah. first CEO uh, uh, of a top five PR agency. How important a landmark do you think that was? I think it was incredibly important. You know, um, we I'm, I'm a founding member and still board member of Omni Women, the organization mm -hmm. within Omnicom that really um, wants to advance women in, in leadership positions in Omnicom. And um, this, and together with the appointment of Wendy Clark uh, at the mm -hmm. helm of DDB, has been a real landmark. And it, it's, it's incredibly important. If we can't even get it right for half the population, <laughs> then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really very pessimistic about what we do further on diversity. So we need to get this right. And I'm very committed to that. I'm also a founding member of Equality, the, mm -hmm. the, the group uh, for, for equality in the, in the PR industry. And I, I think it is, it, it's been a landmark. Uh, Barry is, in, is a phenomenal leader and uh, I'm really happy that we could make this work. Why do you think, and you know, we've, we, we are, are quite aware of the various um, reasons, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your view. Why do you think um, there have been so few uh, female CEOs of big PR firms? It is, it's a combination of things, but ultimately, and my boss always laughs when I say that, but it is, a, a, and he's, by the way, he's the big exception to the rule, but you know, white men appoint white men. Mm. Um, and it, it, it's, it's a simplification, but it is true. It's, you know, you go for what you, what you are familiar with un unconsciously very often. Um, and that coupled with the fact that it is, it's, it's, it's the way of life that in midlife or in, in mid-career, women are the ones who have to carry the babies and have, to, you know, and that's where a lot of women drop off uh, mm -hmm. or don't, don't combine, certainly not a, a, a career advancement. And I think that's up to us as leaders um, to have those discussions with women and make sure that we um, we hold on to them and give them flexibility in that time to to keep working, but also to take care of their families. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and we've had some really great examples in the past of that. I, I think that really works. It's all a matter of spending some extra time and care to keep talented women on the path mm -hmm. to the top. And that's one of the things that Omni Women is, is working on. Sure, yeah. I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about Omni Women, because obviously I, I suspect it's well known to people within Omnicom, but if you could perhaps explain exactly what Omni Women is. Yeah, so, so Omni Women is really, in simple terms, it's the, it's the organization of senior women um, in Omnicom who want to advance the, the professional careers of other women within the network. And we, we decided to start with our own network. So we do, um, we do professional uh, gatherings, we do networking, we do mentoring. Um, we have now, this month is the launch of the New York chapter, so we'll have 11 chapters. It's a global organization. The 12th will be in March with Mexico coming on board, so it's mm -hmm. really global, um, uh, uh, Europe, Asia, and, and the US. And um, uh, it really, really is aimed at, at providing skill sets, um, a sounding board, um, uh, mentoring to, to younger women to get them up in the ranks. Mm. Is there anything you've learned um, from your involvement in Omni Women that surprised you, that's made you actually rethink the challenges perhaps facing women as they try to advance through this industry? Mm, that's a difficult question, whether there was a surprise. I'm, <laughs> I can't think of something that really surprised me. I just think that, that um, we need to continue. It, it, I think probably the, the, the discussion that you always need to have, and we sure have that, is, um, 
is this women only or how much do we take men along in this mm -hmm. in on this road and i think in within omni women we feel that we have a task as women to to be the sounding board for the other women but we can't do this alone so mm. we've had we've had gatherings um with 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 male leaders who have made commitments to up the percentages of their female uh, leadership in their organizations and i think that's probably the discussion how far do you ring them in and and how not and what what point but we firmly believe that we have to do this together. Mm, okay. Um, so you mentioned uh, Omnicom's investment in Spry. So you are in fact the majority owner uh, of Spry, which is a startup that um, aims to bring uh, clients together with kind of freelance PR talent. Yes. So on the one hand, it taps into the gig economy. Yes. And on the other, it tries to provide a technological solution to this kind of fast turnaround content requirement. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to make that investment? What was it about Spry that attracted you? So, um, first of all, I'm not going to say too much about Spry because I do. We've made a very solid agreement that they are being treated as a startup because mm -hmm. I think that's the only way. Because if you know, if a big holding company gets in the way of a startup, <laughs> I'm not sure how <laughs> successful that's going to be. Um, but we do, we firmly be believe that there is there is basic services in our industry that are going to be eroded by technology. Um, you've already, you already see it with the financial press releases that are basically mm -hmm. done by robots in many cases. Um, and we also have seen um, a couple of things. We've seen that there, there's a lot of clients who cannot afford the services of a bigger company. There's like particularly startups and NGOs, etc. But there's also sometimes very fast turnarounds of very simple things that that frankly we shouldn't even want to do mm. in fact because it's you know we're we're big we we're more focused on the strategic the bigger projects etc we wouldn't necessarily be well, we could do it but it would probably be not very cost efficient mm -hmm. and so that's going to happen so when then those two brilliant people came with or particularly Angie Snyder came with that brilliant idea to um, to develop uh, this um, uh, uh, this app it's an amazing uh, uh, um, technology advancement uh, and uh, you know we believe that that's where the future goes mm. you don't worry that it might be a threat to your existing agencies no because i i a, for the, the biggest client majority is um uh, is startups and and ngos and and smaller uh, companies that we wouldn't work for anyway mm. um secondly you know it can even help our agencies as well to do things more cost efficiently mm -hmm. Okay. And more broadly, are you looking to invest in technology? Um, yes. In terms of, you know, improving um, how agencies operate. Do you think there, there are more opportunities out there? It does seem like there's, there is technology, but it only really deals with certain aspects of the kind of agency model. Yeah, I think I think you know the good news for us is that that it's a very much a people business, and there is a lot of things that that technology can't replace. But I would always be open for um, uh, for anything that uh, any technology that we could use to make our work more efficient and free free the people up to be real strategic consultants. Mm. So that's what we'll always be looking at. And particularly, you know, in the area, one of my hobby horses in measurement, data and analytics is ov obviously that's so technology driven. Mm. Um, we need to be at the forefront of mm -hmm. making good use of that. Mm. Do you see a kind of group wide measurement analytics solution emerging or is it still something that is being handled 
at an agency level? Ide no, we definitely work together, um, mm -hmm. but ideally we should be able to come to, finally, to come to some industry principles. Mm. I would really, really, really like that. And I know, the, you know, there's, there's groups that are working on it. It amazes me how long it takes, yeah. un unfortunately. Um, and it's that's a combination of factors as well. But I do, we definitely work together on mm. solutions. That's something that is not agency specific. Mm. And, and w curious to know what role the clients are playing in all this. Do you feel there is more pressure for real metrics or are they perhaps holding things back? <laughs> it's, it's interesting because there is at, at, at top level with our clients, there is an incredible need for more um, fact-based return on investment mm -hmm. um, from CMOs who say you'd get more money if you could prove to me the return on investment more um, to, to we're not going to go here without KPIs and a solid measurement system. But then when it, when it trickles down, it is very, we don't have the big advertising budgets. Mm. And then it very often it's kind of like, oh, well, that money for measurement, we might want to put that in activation, which is something that I always ask the agencies to fight because mm. I've seen so many examples when I was really like in the day-to-day -day client business, I've seen so many examples where clients would say that and a year later or half a year later, they would be asked by their CEO mm. what was happening for the money and they wouldn't have a real solid overview and dashboard and it comes back to bite you in the behind so mm -hmm. I, I think so we really 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 don't want to take an assignment without saying what are the KPIs and then agree on a way we're mm -hmm. going to measure success and that can be very into even sales performance or it can be anything up to that point that depends on how much the client wants to share their data as well with us mm. okay now the the kind of lack of robust metrics or industry-wide principles is, is often, you know, seen as a threat uh, to the industry. I'm curious to know how you view other emerging um, competitive threats. So, for example, do you see management consultancies as a as a particular threat to PR agencies? I'm always um, I'm always looking around the corner. So, mm -hmm. so I think that you need to do that. Um, so, do I see a threat there? Yes. Um, I s I've seen some of the management consultancies buy up a lot of marketing and mm -hmm. communications uh, agencies. So it's a clear direction. Um, others are less uh, inclined to do so, but yes, I am. Uh, in, in the same way though, we are going more and more into a consulting direct direction. If you take our, you know, we've, we've consulted all the, the change management expertise under Daggerwing, mm -hmm. um, that is a management consultancy. And so while it is, smaller and not at the scale of some of the others. I think there is more and more crossover. So yes, I watch very, very carefully. But it is, what I feel very good about is earned media is a very, very strong specialization that is hard to get your arms around. Mm. And I've seen that both with the advertising agencies, media buying agencies, with the management consultancies as well. But you always have to be on the lookout. Mm -hmm. What else are you on the lookout for? I mean, are there any other threats that you're seeing that perhaps, um, I wouldn't say keep you up at night, but are, are worrying you in terms of, of the PR industry? I think the, it, it's the, uh, the old adagio, but it is the quest for talent. You know, we, mm. we not only, um, you know, fight for talent within our ranks, we do fight for talent with the Googles and the Amazons of this world, particularly in, in, in Silicon Valley and in, in, in the other upcoming uh, tech hubs. Um, and that is, you know, we need to make sure that we, we keep 
ranking as best place to work, with flexibility, with great opportunities and great client opportunities. And that, by the way, also then ties into the collaboration because um, our people really love to work together cross-agency on big client mm -hmm. challenges because those are always the big, meaty, strategic ones and, and they really, really love to be part of that. Mm. Better parental leave, surely. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, that seems to be a particular challenge in this, in this country. It, it, yeah, it, it is. It, it is, and you know, we need to we need to look at flexibility across the board. Mm -hmm. um, we need to look at flexibility in working hours because uh, this whole thing there's no such thing as work life balance. It's all integrated, and we need to just grow up with the times. Mm. Okay. Um, how would you characterize the ideal agency CEO? It's probably one of the most difficult jobs in the world, um, mm -hmm. and I say that seriously because what you have to, you have to have so many different uh, traits. So you have to be a real inspirational leader. You have to be able to attract top talent and motivate that talent and retain the talent. You have to be fantastic with clients. You have to be able to walk in the room, have the C-suite conversations, and in good and bad times. You have to be operationally savvy because you know you run a big PL. So, you know, when you're a big agency CEO, and so you need to understand what's going on on the financial side, on the operations side. Um, and then you have to you have to be visionary, be ahead, always looking for what's changing in our industry, how we're going to adapt. The change is a constant. If you're not up for change, you're never going to be making a good CEO. Mm. So that's <laughs> It's a big list, and it is. it is. But it it is what it takes to run an agency successfully. Yeah, it's it's a tall order. I wonder, do you feel that there's enough training that goes into developing those types of leaders? I think you know, I think we can always do better. We do have you know Omnicom University, which is and, mm -hmm. and then the regional versions and and the big one here in the U.S. Um, which are leadership trainings. We do other leadership trainings per agency, uh, which we're going to coordinate a little bit more. Um, so we do have a lot of training, but I particularly on the operational side, I think we can do a better job. It's just, you know, I know that from my own experience when, mm -hmm. I, when I came to be the CEO of Porter. Um, I happen to have this weird love of numbers, which is pretty rare for somebody f with a liberal arts background, but, um, but, it, but it is, it's a, it's a big beast and you mm. have to get your arms around looking at looking at PLs and see where the pain is and what mm. causes the pain and I do believe that across the board we can do not only for CEOs but for senior leaders we we mm. should really focus on tr giving people more tools so more numerate yes <laughs> yeah sounds terrible doesn't it <laughs> well more numerate without without losing presumably the EQ no exactly right. exactly it is it is a tough ask so uh, coming back to the, the threats you were you were describing and, and the things that concern you. You mentioned talent. How much does it concern you perhaps on the client side um, when a big client like, for example, uh, a Mark Pritchard from P&G says that, um, you know, your complexity is not our problem to agencies. And, and we're in a, you know, you, yeah. you know agencies seem to, to trade in complexity sometimes. They're, they have become such complex yeah. organizations in many cases. Yeah, it shouldn't. And I, I, I'm with Mark Pritchard there. I think, you know, we, we, we are able, we are able to offer integrated solutions to clients and uh, give, them, give them what I call one throat to choke or one shoulder to pat if things mm -hmm. go well. 
And and basically what what I used to say when I when when we pitched One Voice to to Philips, it is like it's like your laptop. You know, mm -hmm. it's easy. You have an Apple. It's easy to use. Um, uh, but the, the, the whatever is in there behind it, you don't need to know. Mm. You don't need to be worried about it. You know, you need to have one call into the call center, and that's the same thing. That's how we should structure um, our our client offerings, and we can do it. And and that's up to us to offer mm -hmm. clients a seamless solution. Do you think clients should take any responsibility for the complexity of their agencies? Because clients themselves are not necessarily the most simple structures. I I think that is absolutely true. We were talking about the the, 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 the complexity of the agency side, but obviously that needs to be reflected in the setup on the client side. And mm. one of the things that we do see, which is really, really, I've, I find that very sad, is quite often uh, not necessarily the right alignment, for example, between marketing and communications. Mm -hmm. And and of course, it's very hard then for us if we offer a seamless solution to work that way. But you know, with a good client relationship, you can you can have those discussions and mm -hmm. and and always always strive to improve on both sides. Mm -hmm. And those clients are massive, massive. And I come from the corporate side as well, and I know how hard it is to make changes. Sure. And how important do you feel it is that the PR industry is making inroads into the CMO budget? That seems to have been the the focus for for many agencies for for, for many years now. It hasn't necessarily been realized. Um, and from your perspective, as someone who's worked corporate side as well, do you think it's viable? Do you think it's? I think we've seen a lot of inroad into mm -hmm. into the into different budget across the across the board, um, and and with with the integrated approach um, and and the, the 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 recognition of CMOs of the power of earned, uh, I I've seen a lot of growth there, and mm -hmm. I think that's going to continue. Okay, it it's. But I guess it's not necessarily being reflected in the overall numbers, for example. It's not powering overall. I think that's not a reflection of, of that particular growth of the integration. That's more a reflection of the overall economy yeah. um, okay. and state of affairs. Sure. Certain. Fair enough. So to finish, a couple of questions just on OPRG. Now, was it last year when you merged the firms in four European markets? Yes. It was. Yeah. It was less than a year ago. Less right? than a year. It was May, June, I think. So you merged um, your three big brands, yep, is that correct? Yeah, three big in, brands. So Fleischmann, Hillard, Ketchum and Porta Novelli yes. merged in four European markets. Yes. So for anyone who didn't follow that story, tell us why you made that decision. Yeah, we, we do this really, really carefully because we do want our brands to stay strong and, and, and they have such a great following by themselves. but. In those particular markets, and this was done with the full support of the the brands, all of the three brands were in, were small. They were doing their best. I mean, they came out of a terrible economic turmoil. They they came out of that well, but they were small, and mm. they couldn't create the scale that was necessarily to to pitch with some of their biggest competitors in the markets. I mean, they have network clients, but the biggest part of their 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 revenue comes from local clients still. And um, we've seen it, we've already, you know, it's less than a year, so I'll be careful, but we've seen some, we've definitely seen new opportunities for the combined teams. A, it is much nicer for talented people to be part of a bigger play and get, you know, get access to, to more bigger opportunities, client opportunities. Um, and B, you are in the market, all of a sudden in three out of the four markets, the agency is, is in the top, top five. 
and in the fourth market it's in the top 10. Mm. So, you know, from being a minor player, now they're in the, in the, in the top playing, they get mm -hmm. the equivalent, therefore, for, for the portion of the RFPs, um, et cetera, they recognized. And it's, it's really paying off really well, mm. yeah. Okay. But yeah, always, you know, it's not, it's not for every market. Absolutely sure. not. Um, I remember when these changes occurred, there was a, there was a lot of talk ar around the branding. Yeah. And how has that developed? Are, are these firms now known just as Omnicom PR Group or do they have three front doors? No, they are known as Omnicom PR Group, but mm -hmm. obviously there are international clients that have been used to working with one of the brands and mm. they continue to work with one of the brands if that's, you know, if that's what they want. Mm. But when they go to market for new opportunities, they go as OPRG. Okay, yeah. that is interesting. Now I could sit here and just throw different markets at you and ask if you're going to consider doing that and in you those know places, what I'm <laughs> going to tell you then. <laughs> Perhaps a better way to ask the question then is to 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 ask. Um, presumably, you are considering this in other regions as well. We, you know, I'm I'm not going to run ahead. I would say that because this process has been a long process because mm -hmm. it's it, it's it 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 is it's not free of complications. It needs it needs to be really right for the market. It needs to be, you know, the, the brands need to be a certain small size as mm. well. Um, and there needs to be a strong idea that the market in itself is worth being in and and the combined forces will really, really, really uh, create a, a strong power. That's not for every market. So will we look at other markets? Um, we, we continue to look at every market uh, all the time. But it's not for every market. And uh, should we have any more concrete plans? You'll be the first to know. <laughs> Would you ever consider um, consolidating your any of your agency brands on a global level, perhaps? No. 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 You think the, the stable of yeah. 10. It's more now, isn't it? It was 10, but now I think Oh, it's yeah. It's, yeah. And it it's, <laughs> you it's, found I some find, more. <laughs> I found it so hard as well because there is a lot of big sub-brands as well mm -hmm. that, that are quite independent from their mothership. So it depends on how you how you call. But around, let's say around 10 major brands. So mm -hmm. um, no, I, I mean, you never should say never, but that is that the brands are so recognized and so strong. And as long as the collaboration is 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 the other path, it's it's going fine. Okay. And never never destroy uh, something that's working well. All right, excellent. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's great um, to be with you, Arun. Yeah, I can't believe it's taken this long to get you onto the echo chamber, but hopefully it won't take so long for your second appearance. I'll be ready whenever you are. Okay, excellent. <laughs> thank you all. You've been listening to the echo chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by March Communications, connecting innovation and people.